This episode of Systematic is brought to you without commercial interruption by AppCamp for Girls. AppCamp for Girls creates opportunities for young women in tech to learn the building blocks of skills that they can use to change technology forever. If you have a few bucks to spare or know someone with deep pockets who can, head over to esn.fm appcamp to contribute to their Indiegogo campaign. Thanks to AppCamp for Girls for making technology a better place for everyone. If you want to learn more about AppCamp for Girls, there's a link in the show notes to the episode of Systematic featuring Gene McDonald, the founder of AppCamp for Girls. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra. This is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Eddie Smith. He's an actuary at the Infinite Actuary, and I don't really know what an actuary is, so let's find out. How's it going, Eddie? It's going well, Brett. How are you doing? I am. I, I'm a little bit frazzled. I seem to be having trouble putting words together, which is a horrible thing to do during a podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, podcasts, I guess, are a little bit verbal, but people have good imagination. So a little bit verbal. I'm, uh, long, awkward pauses do not bother me like most people. So I'm cool with that. I'm OK with long, awkward, awkward. See, I can't talk. So yeah. what's it, you're in South Carolina. Yes, I am. What's the weather like in June in South Carolina? Right now, it's ridiculously hot. Uh, in fact, you may even be able to hear my ceiling fan running because <laughs> I just, I hate running my air conditioner any more than I have to just because I'm like that for some reason. Um, and it's it's been ridiculously hot. It's like almost 100 today. Does, um, uh, sorry, does, does having that uh, desire to not run AC have anything to do with the personality that would become an actuary? Probably so. I, you know, a lot of actuaries can be frustratingly uh, frugal. Um, I think for me, it's more uh, it just I have sort of this efficiency mindset with a lot of things. I mean, I'm not like totally nutty about it, but um, but I think like after I got the Nest thermostat, particularly, it's like all that information is wonderful, <laughs> but it can also be horrible, too, because when I look at the iPhone app, and I see like all those blue bars, you know, at this time of year, it kind of drives me nuts. But, you know, what do you do? So, well, I just got an Apple Watch like this week. And oh, really? I am I'm getting the same uh, experience with the app, the, the, what's it? The one the that tells app. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It keeps yeah. telling me when to stand up, and I feel like I'm just going to skip this one. Then at the yeah. end of the day, it's like you sit up for five out of 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those hours, I'll be like on my treadmill, too, if I'm feeling energetic, but I'm a little slow with that these days. Anyway, I'm off topic. Yeah. I think yeah, I was. I actually have an Apple Watch too, and I I think I've I've said this in other places, but I think it says a lot about the state of civilization that, you know, we have this product now who is this designed to tell us to just stand up sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like when, I need it to when, tell me when to your drink activity water. level is at the point where just stand up every now and then is good advice. <laughs> then you know, I don't, or advice you really can't keep up with really bad. Yeah. So okay, what is an actuary? Well, um, actuaries uh, are pretty good at math. Uh, they typically work for insurance companies. Um, actuaries are the people that calculate your premium and do that kind of thing. Um, it's really uh, risk management, but in more of like a quantitative kind of way. So it's using math, probability, statistics, and things like that to make you know good guesses about what's going to happen in the future. And uh, trying to, you know, kind of reach way out there on the horizon and, and figure out what's going to happen and, and figure out what uh, an insurance product is worth and, and things like that. Um, I'm kind of a meta actuary. So if, if the actuarial concept isn't abstract enough, I'm even more abstract than that because <laughs> I was more of a normal actuary for about 10 years. And then I left that sort of traditional corporate actuarial role uh, to do some work full-time that I had been doing on the side, and my job now is I basically help actuaries be better actuaries. I help actuaries pass exams because uh, to become a fully credentialed actuary, you have to take lots and lots and lots of exams that are pretty hard. And so there's this whole little uh, micro-industry around this exam system, and uh, that's what we do at the Infinite Actuary is, is we uh, help uh, people slog through all those exam uh, readings and things like that a little bit more efficiently and easily. So here's the thing. I still don't know what an actuary is. You, are you the reason that insurance sucks? 
Um, we're the reason that uh, probably the reason that an insurance company can even exist. And I think when people say insurance sucks, they're usually thinking about health insurance. And just as a disclaimer, I do not work in health insurance. I never okay. have. I so, can still like you. Then. So I'm not I'm not going to take uh, any any flack for the state <laughs> of healthcare in the United States. I'm going to dodge that question. I have my own personal probably very politically charged opinions about that. But I worked more in life insurance and investments and annuities and things like that. But uh, insurance is a good thing. People are risk averse by nature. Uh, Behavioral psychology tells us these things. And so people desire to have less risk in their life. So they're willing to pay something for it. However, you know, there's a lot of political baggage that goes along with insurance. And that's given people a bad taste for it, I think. Well, you're right. There's a strong division between health and automotive, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I am I like having automotive insurance because there's a very good chance something's going to happen and it's not very expensive. Mm-hmm. With medical insurance, I pay way more than I think I should. And even if I use it all, I still have some out of pocket. And I don't think what I get for the money I spend every month ends up being worth the money I spend every month. Mm-hmm. And if I, if everything went to hell... And I ended up completely hospitalized with tons of surgeries. I'd still be screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I uh, I have very similar views on that. Uh, we we pay a fortune for health insurance. We have young kids, so we're at the pediatrician like every week. So we're just we're paying a fortune in premiums, and then we're paying a fortune as we reach our deductible. And it is it is unbelievably expensive. And uh, you know, I have some thoughts from an actuarial perspective on why that is, but. Uh, it's a complicated topic. I think it, doesn't it pretty much come really down to not, pharmaceuticals? Sorry, what? Doesn't it pretty much come down to pharmaceuticals and the the uh, the industry behind drugs? You know, I think that's part of it. I mean, in a nutshell, my my biggest problem with the health insurance market in the United States is that the uh, the customer has no concept of the cost of the services. Uh, the only person or entity that really understands it is the insurance company. So you have this information asymmetry, which is a term that you see sometimes uh, in this kind of stuff, where the insurance company and the policyholder, and with health insurance, you have employers in the mix too. If you have an employer providing your benefits, uh, all these people sort of see these things from different angles and have limited, filtered views of what's going on. But it's not like a market where you know I'm willing to pay uh, five dollars a gallon for milk. And if I'm not willing to pay that, I don't buy it. You know, that's a simpler, probably more efficient market. Whereas health insurance, uh, you go to the doctor, uh, you know, they file a claim for you. Uh, The insurance company says, well, uh, this is really what it should cost. They work out something. They work out these deals that you never see. It's a complicated, abstract obscure transaction and uh, it, it opens the door for, you know, uh, hospitals, doctors to uh, naturally, I mean, they want to make as much money as possible. And so, you know, it, it creates an opportunity for them to charge a lot more because their customer uh, is not necessarily paying, you know, the customer is the patient, they're not necessarily paying. So it's, it, there's a lot of flaws to it. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not one to totally complain about it because I look at other parts of the world and I say, well, what would be worse, uh, you know, having to pay thousands of dollars uh, and being reasonably healthy or living in squalor, you know, in, in some, you know, third world country. So, you know, but it's then all there's the other half of the world where healthcare is, you know, it's basically free. I mean, taxes are higher. Yes. But see, I, I, I don't mind capitalism. And I know that you are going to avoid this conversation, but I don't mind capitalism. I just don't want it mixed with life and death situations. Don't try to make money off of my potential illness. Mm-hmm. That, that frustrates me. I yeah. think healthcare is something that should fall outside of the normal private practice kind of like our private market. I think it should be public and I think it should be covered. I'm, I'd pay more taxes. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I, I have a gonna, lot of medical I'm bills. I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> All right. So, okay, I kind of I kind of get an actuary. Yeah. As much as I ever did, I guess. But okay, so in your job, I know okay, you have a blog called Practically Efficient, which is yes. uh, it, it's one of my reads. Um I think I think it kind of got me into the idea of sharing productivity stuff. I think you were doing it before I was doing it, weren't you? How long has this blog been here? 
Um, gosh, when did I start that? Uh, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was definitely reading your stuff too, but I know you were kind of bouncing around to some different things. I think at one point, uh, back when I was on WordPress, I think at one point I even bummed a web server off of you. I think at one point, yeah, right. efficient was being hosted on one of your servers, It was, um, which was nice for a little while. Uh, probably nicer for me than it was for you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, and I appreciate it. I take that as a compliment. Obviously, if I, if I've written anything to inspire you to do anything, that's a huge compliment because you've certainly inspired me. I mean, you know, you're one of the people, you know, a lot of people that are newer to Markdown and stuff like that don't know the whole history like some of us do. I mean, and it's not just going back to John Gruber, you know, creating Markdown in 2004, but, there's to me there's a very interesting history with some of the software tools that evolved i mean even going back to stephen frank when he first forked uh notational velocity uh to create a markdown version a lot of people don't know he did that and then somewhere shortly after that you created mv alt and that sort of became the go-to tool uh at least for markdown and note taking and that kind of thing so um it's definitely very circular in fact I, I would say 80% of the blog posts I've ever written, and really probably anything I've ever written, I've written inside MVAlt, which was your uh, fork of Notational Velocity. Which was originally called Notational Velocity Alt. And I released it, I wrote it, or I, I, sh I forked it and modified it and released the first version over a lunch break. <laughs> and then it, it became amazingly popular and I spent a long time trying to move the credit back to Zachary, who yes. wrote it originally, and I yes. eventually just gave up. NVAlt became mine, and everything was my fault, and I started doing probably way more customer support. Based yeah. on the GitHub issues, I think I spend more time supporting it than the original author supports his version, and I, I, it's, a, it's a weird place to be, but commercial version in progress, coming soon, very, oh, very good. far along. <clears throat> uh, totally, awesome. totally new code base. Totally, it's the same speedy concept, but yeah. with all the problems and a more future proof base. Anyway, well, that's awesome because I always felt this sense of guilt, and I, I did try to make it a, a point. Probably not nearly as much as I should have, but I tried to make it a point to give you donations every now and then, just to kind of show my gratitude for it. Because I always feel this guilt when I'm using. Um, something th that's sort of freeware, open source like that, uh, because I, I knew that it was creating overhead for you, and I knew that you felt like you had to kind of support you, like you created this this baby that, that kind of needs to continue to exist, and the, the burden sort of fell on you to do that. So if, yeah, I would be absolutely happy to pay you uh, to do that, and I'm sure a lot of other people would too, maybe just make it a more legitimate product and not just a free thing. Well, yeah. If there was any way I could have charged for it way back then. Yeah. Or I didn't start tracking downloads until like 2011. Yeah. But since then, there have been hundreds of thousands of downloads. Yeah. I have no and way to may, know how many people kept it, but. It's totally possible people wouldn't have been willing to pay for it like back in, you know, you know five years ago because it was such a niche thing. Um, but today, just given the trajectory of Markdown and, and things like that, uh, I think that there's probably a lot more people that would. Well, and here's the thing about Markdown history is Markdown was an attempt to improve the state of humane text, as it's called. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the beginning. Uh, Markdown took elements of uh, Usenet and textile and just made a more consistent, better syntax for it. Something, mm -hmm. I shouldn't say more consistent, it was actually more forgiving yeah. and easier to write. And that's kind of why it became the de facto. There are, yeah. there are uh, apps out there that still use textile, which always weirds me out. <laughs> Textile's not yeah. intuitive to me. Yeah, I've never messed with that. I mean, I, 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 mean, I jumped on the markdown wagon when I discovered it and never looked back and uh even wrote a book about it with david spark so i know i felt like like uh i should have been part of that but nobody asked me i well, forgive you though you know well you uh <laughs> you wrote a book with him too so yeah he, i did he had he had to be fair to me well and i i made a video for peach pit too oh um, yeah 
you never saw that huh they charged way too much for it so it didn't really ever sell okay yeah um but yeah it was published and it's like an hour long and i was in the studio in california for days oh i remember what you're talking about yeah i i think i watched like the promo for it but i never actually watched it sorry no it's it's (laughs) fine i don't i never watched it either (laughs) i know what's in it though um okay so you you have markdown you have this uh efficiency blog it's it's nerdy technical stuff you told me that you mind map too yes how much mind mapping do you do um a lot a lot more than i used to i i've kind of an interesting history of mind maps i um some people call them concept maps gabe uh, weatherhead would probably well there's uh, a differentiation there. he, he uh, would probably be upset with me for using the term mind map so uh, out of deference for him i'll say concept map sometimes but <laughs> but yeah no i uh i discovered mind maps i don't know sometime in the 2000s maybe the mid 2000s and um just just the concept of of uh non-linear note taking and of course mind maps were a thing before software and it's just the idea that you start with a central idea literally in the center of the page and instead of you know with a traditional outline you create these bullet lists but that sort of presupposes that these thoughts or these notes that you're taking are going to arrive in a linear format um but in reality thoughts don't arrive like that i'm really trying hard to not say something that sounds like an eddie vetter song (laughs) thoughts arrive like butterflies i I Um, wouldn't know yeah you're not a pearl jam guy i hated pearl jam that's right i think i heard you say that Mm. i was really into pearl jam at one time but that was a former life but uh, to me they were just an early version of creed which was just horrifying uh, eddie vetter's voice was just i could see that but i don't know i i whatever but so anyway, so you, you kind of uh, orbit this central idea and, and you draw these branches like a tree and it's very liberating because you're not constrained by like writing things down in a linear order. Well, that's great for note taking. And, um, and so there's this whole like class of software now that, that replicates that. Uh, my favorite one is iThoughts. Um, and there's you know, iThoughts for iPhone it's called iThoughts HD if it's an iOS, iPhone, iPad. It's called iThoughts X if you're on the Mac. I have all those versions. I use the one on the Mac the most, um, although the iPad one is very good too. Um, and so I use it for all sorts of things. Um, I, a big part of my job is um, creating, uh, simplifying really technical, hard-to-understand documents, legal stuff, actuarial papers with a lot of math and arcane concepts, economic stuff. And I mean, part of the reason people pay me is to make it easier to understand. And so I'll take um, often a very poorly written or poorly edited journal article or something like that, and I'll begin to outline it. And I used to just kind of go straight to, you know, uh, sublime text where I do this stuff. I write it in LaTeX and I'm, that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, but, uh, I've learned that if I can start in a mind map, I can get through that outlining process much faster because I'm not thinking about what the final results should look like. And so I'm able to copy paste stuff. Um, I can take screenshots. Like if I see a graphic I want to replicate or a formula that I can't write in plain text, I can take a screenshot. You can drag that into iThoughts. See, and, and that's, that's, that's what makes it different. The original mind map it was required to be on paper right like tony buzan's he said that you have to do this on paper and use colored pencils or crayons and that idea like that never worked for me but as yeah. soon as i got on a computer where i could do what you're talking about and start you know as the ideas start piling up just start dragging them around and moving them into categories and reorganizing on the fly it's yep. it, it's the only way I can work. I think there may be people out there who actually think better in list form, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not one of them. Yeah, I mean lists are great. I mean I, I'm I'm a list maker. I'm a note taker. You know I that sounds like a song. Fine. Yeah, so I, <laughs> it does kind of um, heartbreaker. You know, yeah, I know. I got it. Uh, and, and I uh, you know that's fine, but. 
there's something that happens when you mind map and you space it all out on the paper. And so I've got this paper that I've transformed into this set of nodes. And then I can, I can zoom out. I can collapse branches. I can see, okay, well, you know, if they had had an editor, they really wouldn't have written this whole paragraph down here because they have already said this up here so I can delete that. You know, because a lot of times it's about what can I eliminate from this, this bag of bloated stuff to simplify it. And it becomes very obvious when you space it all out in front of you. I can rearrange things. I can say, well, they really, this heading, you know, <laughs> these poorly edited professional articles, they're notorious for, I mean, you can tell that these are not writers. I mean, they write the introduction first. They write the body next. They write the appendix last, which is like almost the exact opposite order that you should do things. They'll create a heading, and then they'll write under the heading. And often what they write about under the heading has no uh, semblance to the heading name. So I'll, I'll change things like that. I mean, I'll make it understandable. That's my job. And so I can do that so much easier in a mind map and, so, and, and fairly quickly, too. And then I've got all this stuff. I got through the outlining process faster. I've arranged it, and then I can port it over to the next tool, Sublime Text, and start, you know, turning it into a finished product. But that it's just so useful for outlining to me. Um, and, and so that's like a big way that I use it. Um, okay, wait. So yeah. you can drag in iThoughts. For anyone who doesn't know, you can drag a markdown file with headers in it into uh, like drop it on the dock icon and it will turn it into a mind map that you can do what eddie's talking about and start rearranging things <clears throat> i absolutely love doing that have you used it with marked at all i i have not used the feature that you added where you can um i know you added a feature where you can take a mind map and and preview it in marked and i have not done that yet and i was going to say a little bit about how i use mind maps for for writing more creative writing and I can kind of tell you why I don't do that, but uh, but I know that that is a feature. I do use it to export into mark uh, markdown format sometimes. Uh, that can be useful. Um, but I should I do mention that it, that it also does that with Mind Node now too. Does it? Okay. With the version yeah. that came out like a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah. And Mind Node is good too. I mean, just to give a nod to Mind Node. I mean, I've used it as well for whatever reason. Just the feature set of iThoughts just is just more compatible i guess with the way i think about things i and think so I've, tools I've tended... and toys sean blanc's tools and toys website have right. you seen that one oh, um, yes. yep. there when they did what's the best mind mapping app mm -hmm. they came up with two conclusions one mind node is the most elegant and easy to use i would agree that visually it's it's a little more appealing yeah i definitely but agree with that i thoughts x is the obvious choice for power users yeah yeah that i, makes I sense. feel like that's true yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with that. But you can't go wrong with either one. Um, and if, if for anybody that's interested in it, they should definitely check out both to see which one, you know, suits their taste better. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, maybe we'll just jump to that now. I mean, I, I do use it. Like, I sometimes I write, I mean, anybody that's seen my site knows that sometimes I write really long blog posts. <laughs> and some of the long ones do originate in mind map form. Um, and one of the cool things about iThoughts uh, X, actually all versions of iThoughts, iPad, iOS, um, there's this notes pane. And um, like the, the killer like setting that I just found out, I think uh, Gabe Weatherhead told me this, is you can move that notes pane. The, the default position is at the very top of the mind map, which um, is fine unless you've got the thing open on a huge screen, which I tend to do if I'm on a Mac. And then you've got like this thing that's just ridiculously wide. It's too wide to write in. But you can move that pane over to the left or right side. I've got mine on the left side now. And so what you can do is you can use the mind map to kind of arrange your headings, your key concepts. And then you can, for each of those, if you click on the node in the map and then you're in the notes pane, you can write paragraphs and, and it, you can write it in Markdown. And that's a great way. Like I've described it to people, it's, it's almost like a Scrivener replacement. I mean, not to disparage Scrivener, which is a great tool in itself, but just the idea that you know you lay out this this thing, this long form thing, or even a book. I mean, you could write a book in iThoughts uh, if you've See, got your a line chapters. To me. Like uh, like a long yeah. blog post, mind mapping all the way. A uh, long article, mind mapping anything longer than that, Scrivener. Scrivener just has better organization possibilities. 
Yes, but, and, I would. Yeah, yeah. For like a book, I think that it's definitely designed. You have to do this that. with marked because you can see the final output every time you drag a node. Your output changes. Like you can yeah. see the the actual paragraph form. It's so cool. And I need to experiment with that more because what I was going to say is where it starts to fail for me, like I'll do it for a few nodes and then something about my brain doesn't like the fact that I can't see other things I've written or that they're not like on the same plane. It's like once I'm approaching that final state of the blog post, I mean, that has to be linear. I mean, you know, yeah. we read from top to bottom. That's why and I it's built like, that. It's like I have to start getting into that frame of mind. And so I, I found that I can do it for like a few nodes. And then I start getting this uneasiness that I'm not seeing what I've written. And at that point, that's when I usually do a, a mark, uh, markdown export and just throw it in a text file. And just at that point, I basically abandoned the mind map, which, which is actually, that's the funny thing is a lot of times the, the best, the most useful mind maps I've ever used are ones that you know, I, I totally abandoned at some point. It, it's it's just, it's a springboard tool, really. Uh, and I think that, you know, the mistake you can make is staying in it too long. You know, because at some point, you're not going to hand the mind map off to anybody, usually. What I've tried I've, to do is actually keep things synced. Like, yeah, yeah. I, at some point, I have, I'm not going to edit a final post in a mind map. I'm going to block it out. But I've been working on ways to take it into an, a text editor, edit it, and then bring it back. And iThoughts makes that really easy. Yeah. That way, when I go to edit later, you know, if it's something I'm coming back to, I can edit in the mind map with all the text that I've written and then re-export. It's two-way sync. It works great. Yeah, and I that makes a lot of sense, like with what you were saying before about being able to drag a markdown file onto the map. Uh, I'm assuming that's kind of you know what you're doing there that makes a lot of sense i'm just super um, psyched to hear that you do this i thought that it was a concept that only i would ever use <laughs> no not at all i i think for writing it can make a lot of sense because if you can you know arrange the key points in the form of a mind map i think it just helps focus you on what you're trying to say it gives you these containers that you can write within i think it's a good way to kind of manage the longer stuff um so well, and it's amazing for the initial brainstorming that's where oh yeah that's the killer part so Absolutely. what else do you use yeah. mind maps for because like yeah. for me they're perfect for notes all of my projects certain mind maps like even programming stuff, like that's where I have like automatic default mind maps that lay out features, you know, 1.0, 2.0 versions, keep a bug branch over here. I love it. I love it for uh, just getting started with just about anything. So what, where do you find it most useful every day? Yeah. I mean, there's not like a single one use that's most useful. There's really just a variety of things. And in fact, one of the most interesting uses um, the uh, the developer for iThoughts, who I'm I'm blanking on right now, I should know his name, but he uh, he added this amazing presentations feature um, earlier this year. And uh, at first, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, here we go!" It's like, I mean, I mean, you know, like not to name names for any other types of software because I, I don't like to insult developers as as a general rule but you know there's this trend where you've got this amazing tool and then we just got to keep adding features and adding features usually it's social features and things like that so anyway so i saw that he was adding this presentation feature and i was like oh crap you know it's it's getting ready to get bad and at first i didn't pay any attention to it and then one day i was like you know this might be kind of cool because he put up a, a like just a quick YouTube sample, and I was like, you know, some of these videos I do, it would be really nice if I could show the video in more of a mind map form because I really like to give people like this high level view of something and then drill down deeper into specific topics, and that's exactly what a mind map does. So what if I could do that visually in a video, and that's exactly what the presentation. Uh, feature allows you to do. You can uh, basically create a mind map, then you can specify slides, and not only do you specify slides, um, like specific positions that nodes are in, uh, which ones are expanded, uh, you can even tell it to focus on the node. It does this really nice, smooth uh, effect where it opens and collapses stuff. If you've ever seen Prezi uh, presentations, 
Uh, I mean, there's other tools out there. There's some really slick HTML5 presentation tools that have a similar effect. Yeah, stuff like that, which you have to be pretty nerdy, you know, to do. But it replicates that kind of visual effect, but it's super easy to create. Like, anybody could do this. And so I decided to throw a few of these together, and I really liked the output. Uh, In fact, I think for one of the products that I do, I have a a public sample. If anybody's interested, I could give you a link to that video. But, but yeah, so anyway, if if you like the idea of of using mind maps to, you know, think in terms of high-level than lower-level stuff, uh, it's a great way to make a video. Uh, with those same animations, uh, or, or actually, I should say, with animations added to it as you transition from branch to branch. Have you have uh, you ever used MindMeister? I've I think I've played with like a trial version at some point, but I don't remember a lot about it. I, I know that it is another good tool. There's so many. Well, see, I use uh, I use both tools. because yeah. it it allows live collaboration. You can see other people editing and adding mm. notes, and it allows people yes, to vote. Yeah. You can yeah. vote and comment, so you can run ideas by other people without without actually allowing them to edit the map. They can okay. just upvote and downvote, and it has a presentation mode that it's the best I've seen, and it can you can embed a live map into any web page. Oh, okay. So yeah. for, for web publication, I think it's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. iThoughts can export to PowerPoint, which is handy. Okay. But uh but yeah, like I use both depending on the circumstance. Mindmeister is awesome for anything collaborative. I thought it's nice because it's native on every device. Yeah. And you're such an extrovert, so you collaborate with people all the time. Right. No, <laughs> I I'm a, I I collaborate with people over the internet via mind maps because I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> there you go. It's perfect. It's the uh, it's the introverts collaboration tool. I was going to say I actually got uh, chewed out the other day by a well-known developer who I respect a lot for uh, feature bloat in my app. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and and he had he had good points, but to me, like marked is kind of a playground for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I enjoy coming up solving problems that haven't been solved in it. And there's always someone who likes it and other people who will never even know it's there. But yeah, yeah I got, I got, I got soundly thrashed for it. Wow. Yeah. I think for me, there's like a certain entertainment value just seeing what all that you think of to add to marked because it is almost comical that you can think of features to add to a markdown previewer, but you are the person that does it. And I don't mean that in a bad way at no, all. I, I, think I totally know what you mean. I think it's amazing. Like I, every time I, I open it and there's an update, I, I get kind of curious to see what all you've added. Even if it's just visual UI stuff, it's amazing. Some of the stuff that you add uh, to that. But I, I use marked any, before I ever publish a blog post, I always open it in marked to preview it at least once. So it's an indispensable tool for me. The next version has spell checking, which makes it perfect. It's that, my it's my ultimate <laughs> proofreading tool now. Yeah. I wish I could do annotation. I had it built in once, but hmm. like I had it built in so you could edit someone else's stuff, add notes and deletions and insertions. It would export an HTML file with all of that embedded. Yeah. But it it, it just wasn't fluent enough. Wasn't yeah. fluid enough. I had to uh, scrap it, and I'm going to try to make something that exports Critic Markdown at some point. But again, that's yeah. feature bloat. Well, you know. So, yeah. But uh, so yeah, so the presentation features uh, are pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I've started using it more for is, uh, and and this is not just something like you know, I. I go back and forth with with tools like OmniFocus for project management, and I, I typically always come back to OmniFocus, and I'm I'm just always flowing along this gradient of experimenting. I mean, just really, it's not so much being distracted. I'm just always looking for the right tool for the right thing, and this kind of goes back to what this hack I guess I was doing in the mid 2000s when I was in more of like this traditional corporate Windows environment with with either no or terrible project management tools and i figured out that uh even though my computer this windows machine i was using was was tightly controlled by it i figured out that i could get this uh version of freemind which is an open source mind map uh, thing that's been around for a long time yeah it has 
and uh everything and still I, exports free mind format yeah i know you'll see yes you see free mind in that list um and i figured out that they made this uh this was back when usb keys were something that people cared about and uh <laughs> thumb drives however you want to call it i don't think there was ever consensus on what you called that but uh, i figured out that they made this version that would run entirely on a thumb drive and once I figured that out, even though they still blocked thumb drives from being put into the computer, I don't remember how I actually got it onto the hard drive, but I figured out that if I could just get that that executable, you know, I'm talking Windows stuff, you know, on the hard drive, <laughs> it would run in its own little folder without ever making any registry entries or anything like that. So no one would ever know that was on my computer. And, and and that worked great because then I had FreeMind and I started doing project management in FreeMind because it just seemed like such a natural way to use a mind map because projects, especially complicated projects, aren't linear. I mean, we, we would love for them to be linear. And I mean, I'm as much a GT person as anybody, but the reality is a lot of projects, you're kind of dancing back and forth between these different priorities and things change constantly. And a mind map is just almost perfect for that because you can spread it out. And so I've I've started using iThoughts more and more, kind of like I used to use FreeMind back in you know the mid two thousands, uh, to do very complicated project management where I've got a lot of things going on. I can spread it all out in front of me. I can move nodes up and down to kind of reflect prioritization. Um, a lot of the stuff I do, it's kind of hard to explain, but. Like there'll be like this one maybe article, but I need to do like four different things for it. I need to make a like a study guide for it. I need to make a video for it. I need to do flashcards, other things, and so I can you know copy paste stuff to like really quickly create lists of tasks, and I can attach things to one another. And and I thoughts uh, has really kind of evolved to be a project management tool. He's added some nice task management features. Um, which I use to varying degrees, like just the ability to change a node into a task and set the percentage completion and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so I'm using it for project management too. Um, so it's really, um, it's, it's kind of become like a Swiss army knife for me. And uh, iThoughts, if you copy, if you have a like a task list in iThoughts and you copy it and you paste it somewhere, it comes out in like a plain text list with the yes. node titles and everything, which is perfect because you can then translate that into an OmniFocus project. Yes. And, and or, I, or, you know, any list. That's exactly right. And, and in fact, um, I've done that too. Like sometimes I'll sit down and plan a project in iThoughts and copy and paste it into OmniFocus or something else, or, or just sometimes just copy it into an email and say, you know, I'll send it to a contractor that I manage or something and say, okay, here, here's what we need to do. But it originated in iThoughts, so it's a great planning tool. Uh, but you can also leave the task there if it's just you know, uh, if it's a personal project. It, it, you know, you it'd probably be hard to collaborate with somebody unless they were on board <laughs> with well, using it that way. But when I was tech lead at AOL, um, I often did. They would ask me to time box, which involved it was you know project management like pre planning and everything. Is and like I would always like beatboxing. Or? <laughs> I wish well, it was an annoying task to me. And I always did them in mind maps and started submitting those instead of their usual forms. And uh, they were they loved it. I never got anyone else to do it. But they like one that I submitted actually was circulated up to high levels. And I got a letter from like second in command saying this is amazing we should adopt this no one ever did but they go over well they are easy to read they're easy easy to scan yes and understand yeah, yeah. have you ever played with curio um i think i've played with a trial copy i'm, I'm a little familiar with what it does but it never really caught as, on with me as a project management tool it's amazing because it can give you a dashboard view of multiple projects and all of their to-dos and due dates and everything and it, mm -hmm. you can do the whole thing in mind maps and it can do things like if you drop an opml file on it from another app it'll create you know a list or a mind map or whatever you want and it can convert everything between all of those it's yeah you should check it out That's play with nice, it again version 7 is I'm awesome because OmniFocus, um, that's an OPML file mm -hmm. under the surface, right? Yeah. 
that's the only yeah. i wish mindmeister would finally add opml and then i would have the ability to tr transfer maps between all of my favorite apps that would be pretty cool yeah david sparks did a great uh series on opml and how wonderful it is yeah he used to talk about that um like with omni outliner and things like that yeah well it's yeah. It, it's wonderful if it's universal um all right, well, we're about uh, to the top picks point. Okay. Are you ready to do some top picks? I am. Let's well, do it. Well, all right, we'll go round robin, and I'll let you do your first one first. Okay. Well, my first one um, is an app. I keep mentioning Gabe's name because I pretty much do everything Gabe does, but <laughs> he turned me... <laughs> He turned me on to this awesome weather app. Everybody needs another weather app. I have an entire folder of weather apps. So I'm not even ashamed of it. But Weather Nerd is the best weather app I've ever come across. I mean, it is, it should be, um, it, is, it is the perfect example of how you should visualize weather, in my opinion. Uh, and it's, it's amazing to me that weather is this thing that we've been looking at for decades and I just love the way that they present it on the app. It's an iPhone app. I think it's like four bucks. And um, I really like it. And the, the Apple Watch version of Weather Nerd is, to me, is the best weather app for the Apple Watch because they just really get that whole UI concept of showing temperatures as like lines across yeah. the day, which I think is just so much more useful than just seeing a high and a low because inevitably you'll have that day in the winter time when the high is actually at sunrise and the low is at five o'clock in the afternoon this so, does look great i, I like that. uh i use dark sky i have the forecast web app saved i use um let's see uh, weather underground and the weather channel and I, I yeah i buy them all and yeah I, I don't love the watch version of any of them yeah, check out Weather Nerd and check it out on your Apple Watch. I think you'll like it. I use Dark Sky too. I think Weather Nerd pulls the same data that Dark Sky gives. I think it's Forecast IO. Yeah, is the service, and I think Weather Nerd pulls that. They may do some other magic on top of that, but um, man, weather forecast data like to get an XML soap feed from any of the major it used to cost a lot, and Forecast IO changed the game. Like yeah. suddenly everyone can start working with weather data, which is, yeah, there's been some awesome stuff come out because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like that dark sky on my watch will tell me yes, when it's the, about to rain, which is great for a convertible owner. Yes. Yeah, I like absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. I like to take fairly long walks into downtown to work. Um, and uh, like I, I may be, you know, a 30 minute walk away from my car or my house or whatever, depending on where I am. And th having those hyper-local forecasts, as they call them, is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the know, so the summary that says, no rain for the next hour, nearest rain, you know, 20 miles. Yeah. it That's that's pretty definitive. And then yeah. I'm comfortable just, you know, believing that. Most weather forecasts you have to take, especially in the Midwest, you have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's pretty accurate. It's not foolproof, but it's 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 right a lot, right? You know, enough to to trust in most situations. <laughs> Until it isn't. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So my first pick, uh, BitTorrent Shoot just came out today, and it's an iOS app that lets you share photos and video with other users of BitTorrent Shoot using the BitTorrent P2P transfer protocol and that means completely private no cloud really fast sharing of media between you know the people you actually care about it's not you know you're not posting it publicly it's not for that it's uh it's for sharing and i use icloud sharing i've never i've never really fully bought into the icloud photos setup this is this is cool. I have to get some more people to use it so I can send stuff to more people, but it looks very good. Cool. Yeah, Do you I'm, use I'm iCloud using, much? 
I, you know, I, I did decide to use iCloud Photo Library. I was, I was a little uncertain that that would work out for me, but it's actually been really good for me. It's been, the, the upload was a little weird. I actually wrote a post about it. But once I got past that point, it's been solid. And there's been several times when it's been really cool to be able to pull out my phone and pull up a photo from like years ago, uh, which I never was able to do before. That's really the coolest feature to me about it. Um, yeah, I, I haven't had much luck with actually finding older photos, except by faces. Yeah. It has really good face detection yeah. in the Photos app on Yosemite, and it gets better with the next uh, next OS update. But I don't know. Like, I miss I, – I, I was entirely dedicated to Aperture for a long time, as far as organization goes. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I still actually my my next pick will explain more of this, but I still like having all of my stuff organized locally, and then just sharing what needs to be shared, and yeah. then I back up I back up everything to Flickr really. Yeah, that's you know it's always been there for me. I can always download it again later. I don't know. Yeah, I just have a huge into it. pile of photos on Flickr and. Uh, I need to find a tool to uh, to actually. I I'm more interested in getting pictures down from Flickr because I, have I don't know that'll Yah- do it for you. Yahoo. I'm not. <laughs> I love Flickr, but Yahoo is is just a strange company these days. Yeah. Uh, well, and my and, my and Flickr. I just wonder, you know, and I get nervous because I have like my kids. My oldest is four. His entire life is on Flickr, and like the absolute best photos I've ever taken of him and our family, you know, and those things. I mean, that's all on Flickr. I have them locally, but it's mixed in with a billion terrible shots that I didn't delete. And uh, <laughs> I wish there was a way I could just click a button and just like create this whole separate database locally. Uh, I have of that my button. Flickr. I have it. My Flickr backs t- up to my yeah. Drobo every night and syncs into my general photo catalog which is now in a new app but it used to be an aperture but okay, I'll I, have to yeah check that and out. then that backs up using arc to a remote server so cuz i once in my life lost 2 gigabytes of photos mm, and yeah. this is before a photo took up as much space as it does now so this was years worth of photos so now i'm super super anal about backing every photo i take up even the crappy ones yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the tool that turns all of your Flickr photos into, like, a, a movie? No, uh uh-uh. it, it, like, flashes up, like, one per second and shows you, like, your year in review. It's actually fascinating to see them. Yeah. I'll find a link to that. I, I love Flickr, though. It's still my favorite. I mean, there's, I mean, I never really got into Instagram. No, I know, neither. like, a lot of people are using Instagram kind of in the, probably in the way that I use Flickr. Um I I don't I have a Facebook account but I'm really not a Facebook user. I never go there at all and I just can't imagine the idea of, of putting all those photos in Facebook. But to me Flickr is like the perfect sort of semi social service. It's kinda for like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's anti social photo sharing. Yeah, and it can be social, but yeah. the way so I use it, it's not social at all. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good analogy. All right. So your next pick. Next pick is a podcast uh, that you may be familiar with. Um, David David McRaney, <laughs> I don't know why that's so hard to say, does a podcast called uh, the You Are Not So Smart Podcast. And, you know, if you're at all interested in psychology, uh, which makes it sound terrible, but he, uh, he is such an amazing podcaster. He's this kind of indie guy who I, I think he might be a former journalist. I can't remember his whole background, but he has a background in psychology. He does these amazingly well-produced podcasts. He's got a couple of books out, um, and uh, he, he interviews all kinds of interesting people. And if I, I'm personally, I'm just fascinated with human behavior just in general. And there's all this emerging research that kind of explains why people do the things they do. I mean, like logical fallacies and stuff like that. And I think it's, I think the answers to a lot of people's problems in terms of, you know, why can't I get more done or why do I keep making the same mistakes? I think those answers are all sort of in this stuff. And he just does a phenomenal job. The production value of his podcast is awesome. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. It's called the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Got it. Yeah, I'm still not doing well with listening to all the podcasts I think I should be. 
but yeah it's hard these days there's so many good podcasts it's frustrating to me it used to be like two or three like really good podcasts and i would listen to every episode and and now there are so many and there's just like you just run into like time constraints there's only so much time in the day and you just can't listen to all of them so yes well if i commuted i've always said if i commuted it would be different but i don't yeah yeah i don't either i do have a pinboard list a a tag of podcasts i should listen to Mm -hmm. so and most of them have gone into overcast but i haven't set them to download because there are a lot of them and yeah yeah i don't have that time yeah all right so oh my next one will be it's a new app from the escapers and i've talked about it i think it was on overtired but it's called emulsion and it is it's not a full-on aperture replacement but it's good it it covers most of the parts of aperture that i use the most let you build catalogs and tag you know label photos and then collect them by that do basic photo adjustments cropping and uh coloring cloning uh to like remove spots and like uh aperture's red eye tool and uh it's it's pretty complete i have been really enjoying it i bought it the day it came out because i'd been waiting for something like that so yeah um emulsionapp.com if you're if you're missing aperture like i know aperture still exists but it's it's dead like it won't be developed further so i've been working to find future-proof solutions which ultimately ultimately involves keeping everything on my disc so that i can get to everything regardless of what app i catalog it in and then sync tags to it tags have to come to ios sooner or later right yeah, I know it's been kind of interesting that that hasn't happened yet. Well, someone sent me a screenshot in iCloud Drive. There is a tag filter that doesn't do anything right now, but in iOS nine, in the beta, there's a non-functioning tag category. Huh. So I think it is coming. Yeah, and it would make sense that it would come uh, at the same time that they're doing all these. Uh, obvious productivity enhancements for the iPad especially I mean the iPad looks like it's going to be like <laughs> a really serious well it actually writing. a feasible work tool yeah I mean it's it, the stuff they're doing is pretty serious so I mean it would make sense that you would have some extra features like that available I would think so yeah alright well hit me with number three okay number three um is a web service i guess uh it's a website it's called i done this and it has a funny name and the idea with it is uh we use it a little bit um for work uh the idea is that you just simply say what you did for the day so if you work with a small team um you know and you're working independently it's you know unless you just happen to chat about something that you did uh, it's very easy to just not know what people are doing. And this is a way where you can just, you know, note like the notable things that you did during the day. And it seems so simple, but then you start using it. And if people are using it every day, it makes you so much more aware of what the other people that you work with have been working on. Uh, you can comment on the things that they do. Um, and I kind of call, <laughs> I describe it kind of like retrospective GTD because, you know, like, you know, a lot of GTD stuff and productivity stuff, you know, you're focused on the future. What do I want to do? This is more about what did I do? And it kind of inspires you to have like more of this habit where you work in a way that you want to be able to say you've accomplished something, which seems kind of simple and obvious. But it's easy to have those days where all you do is answer email, you know, and and nobody wants to say I did email today. You know, you want to be able to say, <laughs> you know, I, I developed a new product. I, I fixed something. So it's it's an amazing tool. I highly recommend it. Uh, there's some similar services that, that do stuff that's similar to this. But what I like about I Done This is they've managed to keep it pretty simple, and they're kind of like Basecamp in that they don't have a um, they uh, have really done a good job of sort of leveraging email with it. So you don't even have to go to the site necessarily. You can just it sends you an email at like four o'clock. And you can just respond to the email, and you can see what other people are doing through the email too. Um, so um, it's a really it's a really cool service. It's, it's under active development. So if you work with a small team, you might want to check it out. 
Nice. I I actually built a command line tool to do this. Oh yeah. It creates task paper format files. It's called done. So on the command line, I can just type, or it's called doing, I'm sorry. You, I can just type doing space and then type out what I just did. Yeah. And then get the task paper list and it outputs HTML, but it's not collaborative, which would be the great thing about this website. Yeah. I note that I did this.com is an unused WordPress blog. So I'm wondering if they saw that and just decided to, you know, just use bad grammar and just yeah. go with it. Yeah, it, it. I think it makes it more memorable. It's kind of funny, but uh, it makes but me yeah. think of South Carolina, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not it's, your yeah. part, obviously. Yes, not me. Everybody else here. At least it's not <laughs> West Virginia. Oh yeah, it's terrible. No, <laughs> you're all crazy. But uh, so what's your third one? My third one. Oh yeah, Night Sky Pro iPhone app. It has a watch app. It's not, it could be more, but if the iPhone app is awesome, it's one of the, uh, stargazing apps that you can just hold up to part of the sky and it'll tell you what you're looking at. And I, I'm fascinated with stars. I go out all the time at night and just stare up at the sky. And I've learned a lot over the years. I probably know more than the average person, but I, I'm not great with constellations. And especially when there are uh, visible deeper space objects in the sky. I don't, I rarely know what they are. I can't tell the difference between planets and things. So this app actually explains that to me and I learn a lot when I do it. And it has 3D, you can like explore deep space objects in three dimensions and get all kinds of information on them. It has community features. It'll tell you every day whether that evening is going to be good for stargazing based on moon and weather conditions all combined for where you are at the time and uh, those alerts will show up on your watch too which i actually enjoy it seems seems trivial but a reminder to plan to just spend some time outside at night is uh i appreciate it plus i i just finished i didn't finish we just finished a new deck that it goes out into the middle of our yard which is on a hill and it's an amazing view of the sky now yeah, I remember you posted a picture when you were like half finished with that. I, I want to post the finish deck, but I feel really bad because I didn't help finish it. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I'd be stealing credit by posting the picture. <laughs> but I should. It, it's wonderful. I love it. That's cool. And you live in a pretty rural setting, which is much more ideal, I think. Relatively rural. Stars. But and the city put in these... Uh, I don't remember. There's a chemical. It's a light in all the street lights, which I live way up on a ridge. So mm -hmm. the town is down below and off in the distance, but it lights up the sky with light pollution now. Mm. And it kind of, it's annoying. If I drive one mile down the road though, pitch black. Love it. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I, um, I grew up in a much more rural area than I live currently. And, um, and I forget sometimes, like, you know, when I go back to a more rural area and then farther out in the county or something like that at nighttime, I look up and I forget just how profoundly different the sky looks when you don't have all that light pollution. And it is kind of sad, especially for kids. You know, if you don't grow up with that, you really have no idea what all is up there to look at. So have you ever cool. done that when it's below zero? When it. When no, the temperature is below zero. It doesn't zero. get below zero that often. At about live, 10 so. below, the sky, the <laughs> stars, just they brighten. So if you're in a dark really? dark place and it's 10 below and you're dressed warmly, it's amazing. Okay. I could see that. It, I mean, the sky is definitely clear in the wintertime. I guess there's just mm -hmm. less uh, water vapor and other things in the in the air. Because yeah, it's different not atmospheric as, uh, conditions. It's, it's denser air, which ironically, I guess, is clearer. Um, but... Uh, you have to try. If I'm ever in sub-zero conditions in South Carolina, I will definitely try that. <laughs> if that happens, I think you'll have bigger problems. It, yeah, it may not be the first thing I try <laughs> if that happens, but it'll be on the list. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. That was fun. The mind mapping episode. And uh, you can be found on Twitter as Eddie underscore Smith, which is, which is nice. It's not like... Um, you know, some complete abstraction of your name that no one could remember. Yes. Um, I was, I was lucky to be just an early enough adopter of Twitter to actually get something that makes sense. 
I, I got the one that was the same as my email address at the time, but I get that one everywhere because no one would ever use TT Scoff. Oh, well. All right. You're also, your blog is at practicallyefficient.com. It's a great read. I recommend people who are interested in the kind of things we've been talking about today. Uh, go check that out. Subscribe to the RSS. Do people do that anymore? I don't know. My, um, you know, I kind of laid off blogging for, I didn't totally lay off, but my frequency went way down and my subscriber count went down and it really, you know, it's kind of coming up a little bit, but I don't think. Well, the death of reader was a blow. Yeah. People don't use, I still use RSS, but I don't think most people use it that much anymore. I don't know. I get a lot of traffic from Twitter and Google. That's pretty much, those are like the sources. Even that's going down too. Overall, yeah. my Google traffic has declined heavily, and I, I, my rankings are high. It's I don't know weird things are happening in the, uh, the search space. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, and I like I said, I'm TT Scoff, and I'm on uh, Twitter and everywhere. I have an account everywhere. I don't use many of them. <laughs> um, and I'm at BrettTerpster.com. So thanks for listening to Systematic. Thanks for being here, Eddie. Thank, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. And we'll see everybody in a week.